Welcome back. I'm Shane McClelland. I'm Lori Gum. And these are the Q Files. If you've been listening to the Q Files for any length of time, you know that we periodically like to remind folks that Ohio is home to all things weird. It's paranormal central. You name it, we got it. And if for some reason we don't have it, everyone involved is either from Ohio or directly connected to it. So far this season, we've eaten our way through the Donner Party, dined with the dead, explored encounters not of this world, taken a meat shower, and played with chaos. So we thought this time, maybe, it would be best to keep things simple and share a tale of a curious creature from right here in Ohio. The Loveland Frog Man Thing. In the before time, pre-pandemic, we would have taken an evening jaunt down to Loveland. It's a suburb of Cincinnati and less than an hour and a half away. The perfect opportunity to hunt down, or rather investigate, a mysterious cryptid. The folkloric legend of the Frogman has hung around Loveland for decades and has a bit of a cult following. Loveland was birthed as a bustling railroad town and is now a picturesque stop along the Little Miami Scenic Trail. 78 miles of beautiful pathways running along and near the Little Miami River, the location of the historical Loveland Frogman sightings. The legend begins in 1955, often recalled as occurring in May, though the exact date has been lost to history, some say May 5th. However, as best as we can tell, and others who have researched this, there are three versions of the original sighting story. Each of the tales are very similar. They go something like this. It was a dark and stormy night. Well, it wasn't really stormy, but it should be to be spooky. Anyway, as the story goes, it was approximately 3.30 in the morning. A traveling salesman, whose name has been forgotten, was driving along Hopewell Road, or thereabouts, near the Little Miami River in a poorly lit bridge. As he drives closer, his headlights illuminate three figures up ahead. Confused, he begins to slow down as they come into better focus. The figures he saw were strange. He brings his car to a stop, presumably feeling a sense of curiosity and confusion and fear. There, alongside the road, stood these things, three to four feet tall. Their skin appeared leathery with no hair, and as far as he could tell, they stood on their hind legs. Their hands and feet were webbed, and their heads and faces were shaped similarly to frogs. For unknown reasons, the man was close enough to see details of these creatures and stayed for a few minutes. It is not reported that the creatures noticed him, or if they did, they paid him no mind and continued on without regard. To him, they appeared to be conversing, and eventually one raises a wand or some type of metallic cylinder above its head and releases a flurry of red sparks. The scene shocks the man back to his senses and he flees. Not just the scene, but the town. The original sighting account ends here with no further details. There's not even an account of who this story was reported to. This original part of the legend isn't often told or reported. It wasn't until 17 years later that the story really picks up. The 1972 sighting provides significantly more information and involves the police. It's the early morning of March 3rd, 1972, about 1 a.m. 
Officer Ray Shockey was carefully gliding his car along Riverside Drive near the Toad's Boot Factory. Riverside Drive is aptly named as it follows the Little Miami River, the same river from the 1955 account. It was a cold March morning, and as such, Shockey was driving more slowly than normal due to icy conditions. In front of him, lit by his headlights, an unusual critter scampers across the road. Intrigued by what he saw, Shockey stops his car. What he sees provides Shockey a shock true to his name. There, illuminated, the creature turns, looks directly at Shockey, and blinks. A proverbial frog in the headlights. Framed in his car's lamp stood the legendary Loveland Frogman. Leathery skin, big bright eyes, crouched like a frog with a tongue ready to catch a fly the size of a VW Beetle. Shockey reported that the being was three to four feet tall and 50 to 75 pounds. It was crouched like a frog, but was able to stand on its hind legs and did so to look at him. In further reporting of Shockey's strange encounter, he said that after the creature appeared to look at him, it turned and stepped down towards the guardrail, climbing over it and back down towards the river. In a follow-up investigation, Shockey drove to the police station and returned with Officer Mark Matthews to look for evidence of the creature. They turned up scratch marks and abrasions on the guardrail, leading down the side of the small hill near the river. This sighting wouldn't be the last, however. Just a couple weeks later, on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, Officer Mark Matthews would have his own incredible encounter. After the prior sighting, Matthews said he didn't believe Shockey, but felt that based on his demeanor, he had seen something. Which is why Matthews' encounter, while similar, has a drastically different ending. His story starts the same. It was dark, the roads were slick, so he was driving carefully, Ahead, he noticed something crouching alongside the road. Matthews stops his cruiser, his headlights pointed at the leathery mass. He hops out of his car and begins to approach it, now believing it to be injured or a dead animal that would need to be removed from the road. As he approached, the previously believed deceased mass lurched up from the ground, jumping at the officer. Matthews, alarmed and not one to ask many questions, shot first, discharging his firearm into the very much alive but quickly becoming deceased creature. The frogman hobbled toward the guardrail, falling over it and out of sight. It was later reported that the victim had a gun on their person. Not really, but who can resist a good killer cop joke these days? Matthew's description would match that of Shockey's, a leathery creature, three to four feet tall, capable of standing, frog-like in appearance. However, Matthews would say the creature had a tail. And with that detail, things start to get a little wonky with the story. In some versions, it's reported that nothing was recovered. A wounded frogman lives on to frighten unsuspecting drivers another day. In other versions of the story, Matthew shot the animal, recovered the body, and put it in his trunk to show Officer Shockey. According to Matthews, it was a large iguana, about three to three and a half feet long, and he didn't immediately recognize it because it was missing its tail. Matthews speculated that the iguana had been someone's pet that either got loose or was released when it grew too large. According to Matthews, Shockey was shown the dead iguana and confirmed it was the animal he had seen two weeks previously. 
Matthews recounted the incident to an author of a book about urban legends, but says the author omitted the part that confirmed the creature was an iguana rather than a frogman. Matthews reportedly no longer gives interviews, but in one of his last, he pointedly stated to the reporter that it was and is no monster, that it was likely some type of lizard missing its tail and was less than three feet long. He speculates that it was seen in the area because there were pipes with warm water from the boot factory and maintains that his story and his account is habitually blown out of proportion. And that may be true, but it seems rather strange in light of the fact that there are multiple stories of lizard-like creatures in southern Ohio and even some from northern Kentucky. Just by way of example, there's the giant lizard of Milton, Kentucky, which was spotted in 1975 and even closer to Loveland, though removed by nearly a century, the Crosswick Monster. I mean, what are the odds that there just happens to be a local breeding populations of lizards in southern Ohio that has existed for at least 100 years? Or so many residents of the area purchase these as pets and release them to wander the wild? Coincidentally coinciding with Shockey and Matthew's sightings, a local farmer whose name has been lost to the ages also reported to investigators that he too saw a large lizard frog-like creature around the same time as the officers. Going a little further away to Evansville, Indiana, Naomi Johnson had her own encounter while swimming with what is called the green-clawed beast. While this happened in 1955 and 245 miles away from Loveland, Naomi was swimming in either the Ohio River or Wabash. The details aren't 100% clear, but both the Wabash and Little Miami are tributaries of the Ohio River, and thus they are all connected. Naomi was pulled underwater and left with a scratched and bruised leg, but also a highly unusual blue-green stain in the shape of a hand or claw that stayed on her leg for several weeks after the attack. The big difference from this incident and others, and what makes it particularly unique, is that Naomi also reports having spotted a flying saucer flying above the water that same day. Her companions and others around confirm the sighting. She was even visited by a mysterious Air Force colonel that told her to never speak of this event again. As if Naomi's possible cryptid-related men in black encounter wasn't enough, her event occurred within days of, if not on the same day as, the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter. If you're unfamiliar with that event, the gist of it is that on August 21st, 1955, a family, five adults, seven children, alleged that they were attacked by a pack of small alien creatures from a spaceship, and that they had been forced to hold them off with gunfire from inside of their farmhouse for nearly four hours. The victims described the creatures as two feet to four feet, large pointed ears, claw-like hands, eyes that glowed yellow, and spindly legs. Maybe it's just me, but those creatures sound at least a little like our lizard monsters and frogmen, and maybe even like the Hellier Goblins. The conspiracy of cryptid lizard-frog goblins cohabitating in the Ohio River Valley isn't just a recent phenomenon either. Allegedly, and I say that because it is difficult to confirm, the Shawnee, one of the main First Nations people in this area, had a mythological beast known as the Shawnahook which many people assert that roughly translates to mean the river demon. 
According to this particular legend, a small group of the Shawnees stumbled upon a fairly large reptilian creature on the banks of the Little Miami River. As they attempted to move closer, the creature took notice of them, stood up on its hind legs, and lunged back into the river, never to be seen again. Well, unless it has, the frogman sounds remarkably similar, as does the Crosswick monster. The Loveland Frog story doesn't end here, however. In our search for sightings, we came across the amusing tale of the most recent alleged sighting from August of 2016, which ends up being more wacky than mythical. The summer of 2016 was the height of the Pokemon Go fad, and as such, two teenage enthusiasts were out hunting digital monsters between Loveland Madeira Road and Lake Isabella when they came upon a real-life monster that was not going to fit inside a Pokeball. Sam Jacobs was one of the teens who witnessed the creature and said he had crossed the train tracks to the banks of Lake Isabella when he spotted something strange. Quote, We saw a huge frog near the water. Not in the game. This was an actual giant frog, Jacobs told WLWT, a local news station. Continuing on, he said, Then the thing stood up, and walked on its hind legs. I realize this sounds crazy, but I swear in my grandmother's grave, this is the truth. Jacobs claimed the frog stood around four feet tall and even provided dark photos to support his claim. Sometimes you simply can't catch them all, it seems. While the photos are intriguing, it was later revealed that the frog was actually a student from the local high school in a frog costume. So where does that leave us? Well, it does seem like something mysterious has been living in and around the waters of the Ohio River for quite some time. And many of the reports are vague and strange and somewhat explainable, even if we must use the same explanation of escaped lizards and excited town folk with each and every occurrence. Sometimes, perhaps, some of this can be explained by the pulp culture consciousness created by the release of the creature from the Black Lagoon in 1954. Like the Mothman or the Chupacabra, the Loveland Frogman was an icon of an era, an era where UFOs were becoming a thing and sci-fi movies were hot. While these legends are strikingly similar, and I do find them plausible, I found an interesting blurb about folklore and its repetitious nature. Edgar Slotkin was a folklore professor at the University of Cincinnati, and at the 1985 American Folklore Society meeting, he said, in regards to the Loveland Frogman. Quote, It happens in a cycle that I haven't been able to pin down. It hasn't been sighted in a while now, actually, so I expect it to show up fairly soon. One of the first things I tell my students is that we're all the folk. If myths are made and we make them, it sounds like we're more than due for another phenomenal sighting of the Loveland Frogman or some other leathery aquatic beast. Thanks for joining us. This show was created and produced by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends. Be weird, stay curious. These are the Q-Files. <laughs>